Servant Leadership Institute podcast. My name is Brian Malinsky, and today we have yet again Robin Swift, our president, and uh, our founder and CEO, Art Barter, with us. How are you guys doing today? Hey, everyone. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Robin, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Ready, ready to continue our, our conversation. I was yeah. listening to it on the way to work this morning, our last podcast, and I'm um, learned a lot from listening to it as well so i'm excited to continue the conversation yeah exactly and and so this very much so is a a continuation of last week's episode that we did on accountability but today the 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 word for today that we're really going to be focusing on is caring and not just that but caring for your culture caring for your work culture and how you're able to do that the best way possible for you to be able to serve your employees and the people that you work with. So caring for your culture includes um, good hiring practices to begin with, right Art? That's correct, gotta hire the right people. Yeah, exactly, and so you had a great concept that you introduced to us um, that was uh, addressing this concept of hiring for character rather than just for competence. That's correct. Um, can you first kind of define that for us, this, this hiring for character? Sure, sure. You know, we're at, at um, Daytron World, our radio company. We're a, a servant-led organization. And as CEO, I focus on uh, hiring the leadership. Mm-hmm. And so when I focus on hiring the leadership, I want to make sure that we have leaders who want to come help people. And if you think about it, if I try and hire someone who they really don't care about people, they just care about themselves, and I bring them into a servant leadership culture where I ask them to live their life for the sake of others, they're not going to be happy. We're not going to be happy. And in somewhere in the next six to 12 months, we're going to be hiring that position again. Mm-hmm. So why not take the time and make sure you're hiring the right people into your culture. And so for us, we look at the character of the individual. Mm -hmm. Do they have a caring heart? Um, Will they invest in people? And you know, that part I look at before I look at their resume for competence. Mm -hmm. Now, I'll review their resume before we have a phone interview, but my first phone interview, I just ask questions about leadership and what they would do in certain uh, situations. Five questions that focus on, do you really care as a leader? Mm -hmm. And I try and get that out of people first, and that gives me an indication of their character. Um, And once they've passed that hurdle, and we say, you know what, this person sounds pretty good, we'll invest more time to bring them in for an on-site interview, and that's when we dig a little bit deeper into their character, but we also start exploring their competence. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had experience here where we've hired for competence first and tried to change people's character. Mm-hmm. I will share with everyone that's listening today, it doesn't work. Oh, really? It doesn't work because a person's character mm-hmm. is very difficult to change because that involves personal transformation. Yes. And if they really don't have a desire to help people, getting them to that point of wanting to help people is gonna be so difficult that they're gonna have a difficult time performing in a leadership role. And Mm -hmm. so um, we always like to look at the character of an individual first and then competence. And and we, in our our ads, we will say, we're looking for a servant leader Mm -hmm. or uh, we're a servant-led organization culture. And that brings the right kind of people, they'll respond to it, the people who are in the power model, they won't respond to it. And, mm-hmm. and if you can filter them out then, it's going to save us a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It's just going to yeah, save a lot of right. money. And so uh, when you talk to other leaders like um, Stephen M. R. Covey, um, John Maxwell, Ken Blanchard, uh, they'll all say the same thing. Look at character first mm-hmm. and then competence. And I can share you experiences where that's worked great for us mm-hmm. and it is the right thing to do. And I can share stories where 
I thought I could change the character of people and mm -hmm. it just didn't work. Or they interviewed so well that I didn't read their character <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Right. So, that and so you're talking about behaviors, right? Behaviors, That's yeah. That's it always yeah. comes back. So yeah. we like, um, when we're looking for uh, leaders in our company, uh, usually management uh, titles and above, we really spend a lot of time interviewing people. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we don't rush in do a little phone, have them come in for a day, and then hire. We'll have them come back two or three times and talk to different people, we'll expand the team, we'll share our notes on individuals. Because we know if we invest the time up front, the probability of having that person be successful goes up. Goes up. Yeah. And the other thing I like about it is uh, anyone who works directly for me after 90, di 90 days being on, on staff here at Datron, I asked them, okay, what didn't I tell you? What do you what do you think I lied about the company? And <laughs> what what do you did you discover in your first ninety days that I didn't talk about in the interview? Mm -hmm. And when you hire for that character, you can have that conversation. Oh, totally. People aren't afraid of it. Mm -hmm. And that's what you really want. You want to say, okay, how did I do in the interview process? Not just the person coming, but how did I do as a CEO? And where do you feel like I could have been clearer? maybe go into, into a little bit of detail, or, hey, Art, you know what? You didn't mention this point over here. I had to find out about it when I came to work for you. Yeah. And so it helps me be a better person when I'm going out to hire leaders for the company. Yeah, yeah it's tremendous feedback. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's, it's very interesting that you do that at such an early stage of you and a new hire's relationship together. Mm -hmm. 90 days is very early on. And so for you to be able to you know, ex start extending trust just by uh, clearly asking for some feedback. Mm -hmm. um, that's great about, you know, hey, what what did I include and what didn't I include in this? Now, a lot of people don't feel comfortable at 90 days. Yeah. Right? If we hire someone from a large company mm -hmm. that, that has thousands and thousands in the worldwide, they've been in a power model. And I'm not going to get them to feel 100% safe in 90 days. Mm -hmm. So don't, set your expectations accordingly. Depending on where they come from, uh, it may take a little bit more time to get that open conversation. But I always try and strive in 90 days, okay, where do you think I lied? <laughs> and, I, and that's exactly what I say. And, and that brings a smile just like it brought a smile to you, yeah. right? And then it, it opens up a nice conversation that we can have back and forth. And when people are smiling and they go, yeah, okay, I can talk about this stuff. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. It, it creates that safe environment we always talk about. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And now, so Robin, I, I think that you probably have a great example of, of your hiring process when you got involved with Daytron and then also into SLI um, in kind of, yeah, just how unique uh, the hiring process is over here. Yeah, absolutely. I was, as Art was talking about the phone interview, I just flashed back to about, it's been about six years that I have been with Servant Leadership Institute. And the first phone interview, there were several questions around leadership. Mm -hmm. And one specifically was, give us an example of a time when you did something for another person without any benefit at work. You know, what did you do that you weren't compensated extra, there wasn't any kudos, nothing happened. Mm -hmm. um, for you, you know, uh, in, in terms of selfishly. And I thought, wow, this is a really different question. <laughs> and I hope I have an answer. <laughs> But um, I did think of a time where, unfortunately, the CEO I was working for at the time had, um, her husband had a terminally ill uh, disease and she really needed to be with him. And I said, hey, I'll run the company for you. You go do what you need to do. And I didn't ask for anything in return. And we began uh, you know, traveling there and doing whatever was necessary to help. And I did realize that in my heart, I have this servant leadership aspect, but I didn't, there wasn't a name for it at our company. Right. Mm. Um, but that felt like the right thing to do in mm. that moment. And it felt great to do it. I mean, I was walking um, on cloud just knowing I was helping another person that really needed it at that time. Right. But I was also just thinking back to after I passed the, the phone interview, I think it was about 14 hours altogether over a couple months of interview. What was it, 14 hours 14, we, yeah, we put you through? I, yeah, okay. I still have the documents. Yeah. And, um, but I'll tell you, the great thing about it was I, I was at a company that I realized I was not a culture fit. Just how they were was not, you know, a match with my values. 
And so I really did appreciate this process that I was getting to know the company as much as they were getting to know me. And then the final interview was with the cultural architect, Art. Mm -hmm. And you had the final say. And at that point, you weren't interested in looking at my portfolio or this or that. You know, you were really testing to see, is this the, the character, the person I want involved in the organization? I want, I want to see your heart. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. want to see your resume. I right. want to see your heart. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I started to grab for, you know, my briefcase with all my settings. I'll just leave that there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we do have some questions um, that uh, we have asked in the past that might help people. If you'd like to get a copy of those questions, we'd be happy to send them to um, our listeners. But you know, some of them are like, in your own words, explain what is a leader's role? Um, what qualities of a previous boss inspired your leadership style and nature? In a work colleague, where were you, uh, how would a colleague describe you? You know, those kinds of things are very different questions, aren't they? Aren't right, they are, they are. And then I, I like to ask two questions about, you have someone who has performed really well in your organization, and for whatever reason, the last three or four, five months, they haven't performed very well. Mm -hmm. um, tell me how you would go about addressing that situation with that person. Talk to me a little bit as a leader. What would you do to help them get back on track? Mm -hmm. And then I sit back and listen. And you know, it's, it's fun to listen to the conversation because if I've done my job filtering people before we get to that, um, they're gonna tell me about, they're gonna sit down with them, they're gonna talk, or they'll jump in and say, hey, there's personal stuff that's going on. I know their life may need some, some help or whatever. I know I can't help them in that unless they invite me in, but I, we have to be compassionate about people's lives and how mm -hmm. it impacts work. On the flip side, there's leaders go, you know what, I'll sit down with them and get their act together, and if they're not, you know, if they're not back on track in the next two weeks, then I'm gonna let them go. And that's the type of leader we don't want. Yeah. Right? So you can go two different extremes and then have a whole bunch of answers in between. But I asked them to describe how you would get an employee back on track, especially one that's been performing, mm -hmm. um, and and sit back and listen and see how they see how they do. Um, and the last question I asked them is, "Have you heard about servant leadership before?" Mm. And if you have, tell me about it. And the people that I love, I'll share this with everybody listening out there. The people that I love are the ones that say, "You know what? Until I." interviewed with your company, I hadn't heard about it, but I've done some research about servant leadership since I got the opportunity to come talk to you. That's an open, transparent individual, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if someone sits down and tells me, I've lived my life this way since I was five years old, and I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this, and this, and this, and this, and this, you've got to figure out if they're great interview people, you know, they're, they're great at interviewing, mm -hmm. or if they're really serious. But yeah. I, I love the folks that go, you know what, I, it intrigued me in, in when I saw the opportunity, um, and I really don't, don't know what it is, but I've done a little research, and I really like what I see. Yeah. Uh, because then honest. I know I have a, yeah. have a leader that's, that, that will be open with me and tell me exactly uh, where they are, and, and that's the type of leader I want to have on board. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Definitely. And then, so, so now that we've kind of established that, you know, once you look for the right people, once you've interviewed them, and once you've accepted them into your culture. Um, let's expand on creating a good environment for the culture to grow. Mm -hmm. um, so I know that you've addressed um, these ideas of having, um, allowing for an open door policy, um, but, but that it's, it's an overused term. Yes. Um, so, so, um, Can you expand on how you may need to judge that term a little bit more? Well, I'll start off with a story. I, I met a gentleman uh, who is a member of the chamber uh, at a coffee shop yesterday. I stopped to get coffee and, and he walked in and we said hi to each other and we talked for a little bit and he talked about servant leadership. He heard me talk at the chamber and um, he said, you know, I've always been that way and this is what I've done. And, I said, where did you work? And he worked for a company based out of Europe. And he says, yeah, you know, we got to the point where we just took the doors off the office. <laughs> and I went, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Taking it very literal. <laughs> All right, take the doors off the office. And, you know, as leaders, we say, you know what? My door is always open. So just come to me and tell me when you want to talk. Mm -hmm. I like to encourage people 
to invest in people through your calendar, not your door. Mm-hmm. Okay, schedule people in your calendar. So show me your calendar mm-hmm. and where you're investing in people that report to you that you're responsible for. Don't show me your door and show me that it's open. Yes. Two different things. Yep. I'm willing now to go and schedule you in my calendar. I will spend that time with you, whether it's 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever it might be. And I will carve out that time every week or every other week to, to talk to that. Robin and I have a one-on-one meeting once a week, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, 70% of the time, I'm on time, right, Robin? I'd the other 30%, I need some grace, plus or minus 10, 15 minutes, depending on what we try and do beforehand. Um, so we have to have grace with each other, um, and that's okay too. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have Robin scheduled in my calendar, and not just for one week. Uh, we go out. 13 or 14 weeks, you know, every quarter. We schedule out the one-on-ones and they're there in my calendar down the road. And I think Lisa, my assistant, easy, actually has them out there for next year already. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I encourage people to do. Don't show me your door, show me your calendar. Yeah. And in the right environment, you'll tear them off. Um, we were at a company down in San Diego uh, last Wednesday and it was a company in one of the high-rises downtown, and they had initiated uh, leasing, not of, a, of an office like we're used to in an office environment. Mm-hmm. You can go down there and you can lease a table. And they have a table that's probably 30 feet long, and they have workstations on each side, mm-hmm. and they pr- provide the chairs, they provide a kitchen, they provide the coffee. You rent the, da- the, the, the table. Mm-hmm. And so your company has a little table at the end of your long table, you can put your products in there. And there were like three or four companies in there. Mm. Guess what? They were all younger people that, that liked that open environment. Right? Yeah. And some of my, in my age range, for me, I go walk in there and go, oh, there's no way I can work in here. <laughs> there is no way I can work in here. Um, but in the corner, in the kitchen, they, they had a little bar where you could sit and have your coffee. But they also had a cake. A keg. <laughs> wow. And okay. every Friday afternoon, they brought in a keg for everybody who leased space from. This was the, the company that leased the space. Oh, wow. Uh, big company up in Orange County that does this. And so their, their focus is trying to get uh, the smaller uh, entrepreneurs mm-hmm. that are trying to get something started. They can't afford a lot of people, can't afford to sign a three-year lease, can't mm-hmm. afford to do this. They can come in and rent a table and a couple yeah. of workstations. And I went, you know, that's pretty cool stuff. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool stuff. Now, I'm, I'm over here in the office challenging people to take the doors off, and then I've got people renting tables instead <laughs> of offices. That's a pretty wide spectrum. Yeah, oh yeah. But that gets back to meeting people where they are. Yes. This owner of this floor in this building is meeting people where they are and fulfilling their need where they are that day, mm-hmm. not forcing them to come in and and rent 3,000 square feet when they don't need it. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, so. I also want to emphasize on making time for that regular time for your team members. It's challenging for most of us as working managers, right? It's not your only job just to lead and, and manage people. You have your own job. So it's definitely a balance that's so worth the time. And when you make a commitment to use part of that time to discuss how you can better equip them to be successful. I mean, aren't you all uh, often start our meetings saying, how can I help you? And it always throws me off a little bit because <laughs> you're just not used to that. Yeah. Even after all these years, like, oh, you know, oh, let's think about this. So you think I'd be used to that by Yeah, <laughs> how can I help you? Uh, is there anything you need from me? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really asking, am I a roadblock to you progressing and getting things done, right? Uh, and um, if we want to help people, we have to be willing to ask the question and then listen to the answer. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. You know, and then, and then help people, yeah. yeah. I think that that's such an important um, way of, of looking at it by, by taking away the open door policy and, uh, or uh, rather translating that into your calendar because you really are dedicating your undivided attention to that person as well. You are. Um, instead of just saying, it's a free-for-all. You can come in anytime you want. Well, what ends up happening is you end up having half half of your manager's attention and the other half, they're trying to complete whatever tasks they were doing before you entered the room. 
most people, and that's a great point, Brian. Most people, uh, when they come in and you know they don't have a, an appointment, I have a few people here who will just show up at the door and say, "All right, you got a minute," and I'll say, "No." And so, okay, well, this will just take a second. Okay, well, wait. I just told you I don't have the time. No means no. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we have to have the discipline that when we need that time to get things done, and there's other priorities. You have to get your people to understand that no means no. Mm -hmm. I will get back to you. I'll schedule some time with you. I, but right now, I've got to focus on this and getting it done. And it, mm -hmm. don't take it personal, but I, I have a priority that I need to get done. Mm -hmm. And we have to tell people no. And then when they try and, and sidestep the no mm -hmm. and try and get time anyway, you, you say, sorry, I, I, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so yeah, that's a, that's a good point because we say we want to do this, but then we have to be disciplined in it. Exactly. And, and if I say I'm going to schedule Robin 101, and then I allow her to come into my office five or six times a day mm -hmm. and talk about stuff that we would normally talk in our one-on-one, -on -one, I'm just telling her, you know what, my one-on-one -on -one doesn't mean anything. Just come see me anytime you want to. Mm -hmm. And that's not efficient for her. It's not efficient for me. All right. So what's, what's best for the individuals? And a lot of times people who just want to ping your door five or six times a day, those are usually the ones that need a pat on the back or need a little attention or, mm. you know, those, those folks that, hey, you did a great job. You just take a minute and pat them on the back and everything will be fine. Mm. Um, so just be sensitive to that too. Uh, mm. Most of the time that's someone who's looking for a little bit of attention mm -hmm. and wants to make sure that I know that they did a great job on a project yesterday mm -hmm. or got something resolved. And, um, and, you know, that's okay to do that. Just don't disrupt my schedule to do it. Right? Yeah, I think yeah. you're pointing something out so critical in servant leadership art, and that is <clears throat> the self-preservation part. You have to put your oxygen max mask on before you can help another. Mm -hmm. And so the discipline to do that, to know, no, I have this time carved out for these things, and this disrupt disrupts it, is very difficult to mm -hmm. yeah, um, send that message out. Yeah, and, and for you, those of you out there who haven't started the one-on-ones with the people you're responsible for, once you do that and they see it on a consistent basis, guess what? Mm -hmm. Those interruptions will get to almost zero. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of times you've got to ask yourself as a leader, what am I doing to create this environment? Mm -hmm. And if I engage, it's kind of like a tennis match. I think I talked about this before. If I'm in a tennis match and somebody hits me the ball, I need to hit it back to them. Mm -hmm. Don't catch it. Exactly. Because if I catch it, I'm now telling you, Brian, it's okay to give me to delegate to exactly. me. Exactly. And I'll accept it. Exactly. I need to hit it back to you and go, no, you take the ball and run with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And I think it's also a great thing to clarify what you can actually use the one-on-ones for. And what I mean by that is, is if you'd like to incorporate one-on-ones in your workplace and have it be uh, solely um, giving that particular person the attention um, to talk about what their needs are in the workplace, that's great. But I know that here at SLI, we also incorporate a relational aspect to it where you, if you're in a one-on-one -on -one and you really don't have a whole lot of work topics to talk about, you can talk about things that are going on in your personal life as well. And that actually builds the relationship, builds this caring culture as well. Yeah, it does. You know, at my level, I ask how, how um, uh, a spouse is doing or a friend. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a couple of people who love baseball. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk about the baseball game um, or sports. Uh, Robin and I, we love golf. I guarantee you <laughs> golf comes up in every one-on-one. <laughs> every one-on-one we talk about golf because mm -hmm. we, we love that part of it. Um, so... Um, yeah, we, we get to know people, and, but then you get to ask questions about, and it's not real personal, but it is things that they're interested in. Mm -hmm. And you find common interests that you have, and that allows you to, to develop that relationship outside of a work issue. Yes. Right? Exactly. And once you've created that great environment, those issues, good or bad, and mm -hmm. especially with the bad ones, they're easier to talk about. Mm -hmm. People aren't afraid to put them on the table when you yeah. have that relationship. So. Um, it's, it's real important. You, you, as a leader, relationships is really, really important mm -hmm. in the one-on-ones. And I don't set an agenda. Uh, this, is, this is their time. This is Robin's time. You tell me what you, what you need from me, what I can do to help, what, what you need direction on. This is your time. 
And sometimes I talk about myself a little bit, and then I got to remind myself I'm here for her. And okay, let's get back to Robin. Um, uh, but in in when you have a good, great relationship with someone, guess what? That's conversations like that happen, and and that's good. It's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so to to go back into this uh, creating this great environment for culture. I know that another thing that we always talk about is this idea of trying to break down the silos within an organization. And I know that you have a great story to say about um, when you started having a new seating arrangement for your engineers. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, we, we were historically a company that had um, offices and cubicles, and the cubicles were you know seven, eight feet tall. Everybody had their own little office. We were developing a new radio um, years ago, and we had a fire in engineering. Mm. And um, it took out about eight to 10,000 square feet of our uh, office area, and it was all engineering. And what that forced us to do is we had to go find a facility for them to work in. Mm -hmm. And we decided that the team that was working on the design of this new radio needed to be in an office by themselves. And we decided that they would have no partitions that went above four feet. Mm. No partitions above four feet. So it was a wide open office because mm -hmm. we wanted the team to communicate, talk to each other. We had some people on the team that didn't want to talk to each other, didn't have a great relationship. And the experience there was pretty interesting. Um, we decided since it was a new product and we were spending a lot of money to uh, put some electronic controls on the doors, mm -hmm. uh, which meant that a lot of people who would go into the project team that didn't have anything to do with the project and would start conversations and try and Im impose their belief on what should be done on that radio, mm -hmm. right? We didn't give them access to the room. Well, it only took a day for us to get a complaint. Why don't I have, a why don't I have access to the room? Are you on the team? No. Then why do you need access to the, to the team room? Mm -hmm. um, and so we, we cut some of the extra activity off just by giving the team room their own secure area. And we work on secure products, so that, that's where we have secure communications that have encryptions and things in it. And so that was, that was okay to do. Mm -hmm. But the low <laughs> partitions mm -hmm. caused some challenges. And really? we had one engineer who said, I can't work in this environment. And he started stacking boxes up. <laughs> Oh, and he'd no. rather work inside a box than have someone that he could talk to across the wow. way. And, you know, we had desks desk in partitions in a square, and then we put a table in the center with chairs so people could collaborate and stuff away from their desk, and when they were at their desk, they could concentrate on their work. Mm -hmm. That took a lot of challenges to get through, and we asked the team to go, you know what, let's give this a try, and let's mm -hmm. see what, what happens. And we had a lot of success with that change, but it took a while. Mm -hmm. It really did take a while to get that to, to take, a, take effect. I spent a, a lot of time with that team in reviewing technology, looking at demos, et cetera, in that room mm -hmm. because I wanted to go, hey, I can work in this environment too. Um, so it was a lot of fun to watch. It was very <laughs> interesting. Uh, the fire took our engineering department out, and you know, I, when I look back at that, I go, the fire was probably a good thing that happened to us because it made us look at our culture and our environment and asked how could we serve this team better. Mm -hmm. And we weren't providing them with the lab that they needed. We weren't providing them with the space they needed. Mm -hmm. So they were doing lab work in their cubicles. And when you put a lot of power and testing in cubicles that are covered in cloth, you get fires. Oh yeah. And so it really, we looked at it and said, you know what, this is our fault because we didn't give them what they needed. Mm -hmm. So let's give them what they needed. And so we built four or five labs in the new um, office area. We dedicated it to different groups. Uh, we didn't ask them to share. We just said, hey, let's go do this. Second thing we, we did after the layout is we bought everybody the same computers, same mm -hmm. laptops, and we put docking stations at every station in the lab. Mm -hmm. So you could take your computer from your desk go to the lab, stick it in, everything worked great. You didn't have to have connectivity, you didn't have to worry about Wi-Fi, you didn't have to do, everybody could work in the lab or their desk with the same equipment. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, there's a lot of things you can do in that environment to help help with that. 
the company that I shared down in San Diego, it's wide open. Mm -hmm. It's wide open. And there's no, there's no partitions. There's no cubicles. It's, it's a wide open space. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, that's really kind of where it's at because if we think of our homes, where do we spend most of our time? Family room? Do we spend much time in a formal living room? Probably not. If you have a formal living room, formal dining room, not very much. No we spend time are in the family room, in the kitchen, and outdoors. Mm -hmm. That's where we spend most of our family time. And so why not can create that environment at work, too? Yeah, mm -hmm. breaking well. down the silos, too, just in terms of, um, I know in the past you've set up like department exchanges where you uh, go present to another department what you're doing that you may not ever communicate in your daily uh, day-to-day work life, right? Mm -hmm. So you'll go in and, and create a, an environment where you can talk to one another and talk about what your department's doing and, you know, educate one another. Yeah, you know, we go off to trade shows a lot and we talk to people about our radios. Sometimes we forget that people that work in the manufacturing facility, they want to hear that stuff too. They mm -hmm. want to hear what our radios are being used for, oh, yeah. um, how they work. Uh, mm -hmm. We have a program that if you want to become a uh, HF radio operator, uh, we will train you on how to do that and help you get your license. Mm -hmm. And now that's a that's a geek thing, and but it's pretty cool to have your call sign, mm -hmm. and that means that you can get an HF radio and put it up in your house and you communicate with people halfway around the world, and you know it's pretty cool. If you have that interest, we'll help you get there. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it creates interest in the company and the culture at mm -hmm. the same time. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. So create the one-on-one -on -one investment relationships. Make sure your office is structured to give people the best possibility of uh, success. Right? And we have a mixture in our, in our building. We have offices. We have cubicles. Mm -hmm. Some are low. Some are high. It, it's a whole mix of stuff. And most of the time, it's all depending on what that group needs to be the most effective. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And what, what they like to have. Our engineering group right now, we're back to the high cubicles. Yeah. And because in the building we moved into, they don't have their own dedicated space. They're, they're sharing it with accounting. They've got our sales support group on the other side. So we're all in one great big area, but they need some quiet time to focus on their technology development. And so yeah. we give it to them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. And now can, can you um, just define maybe a few points to uh, what could possibly happen if silos remain up in an organization. Um, some bad examples of what happens mm -hmm. if you don't break down these silos within an organization. You know, it's, it's uh, what, what I will share first and foremost with everyone is the culture that you establish in your company or your department or your group. That culture is fragile. And if you don't keep working at it, don't keep focused on it, that culture is going to change before you know it. And it will change before your eyes. And it's called mission drift. And you will drift away from your culture. Mm. Um, but some of the examples are, um, I, I love talking about emails and people that sit next to each other and most of their communication is done through emails. Mm -hmm. Oh man, stop it. Just stop it. Mm -hmm. um, stand up and talk to each other. Um, we have some of my other favorite examples are, we'll be in a meeting and um, something's either behind schedule or about to go behind schedule and somebody will say, well, I'm waiting, that, I'm waiting for that from so-and-so group. Well, hey, when was the last time you talked to them? Well, I sent them an email a week ago. <laughs> now, you know, for everybody that's listening to us, we, don't, we have a 100,000 square foot manufacturing facility. We're not that big. Mm -hmm. And so, especially in the office area, it's pretty easy to talk to people. So. The program's critical, it's about ready to go behind, and people are sending emails asking for status. Go have a cup of coffee with them. Go have lunch with them. Go down to the lunchroom and have some M&Ms with them mm -hmm. and talk about something, you know? Um, and, and get that communication going outside of emails. Mm -hmm. And people go, well, I asked for it in email. Well, go ask for it in person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I tell people, if you have something that you know someone else is has, give it to them. Mm -hmm. If you need something you know someone else has, ask for it. Don't wait for it to be provided to you. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the most difficult things I think people have um, in the transformation is we expect people to take the initiative 
to get things done. Mm -hmm. Not to sit back and wait for someone else to give it to them. Mm -hmm. And when you're in silos, people like to stay in their safe zone. They like to stay where they're comfortable. Mm -hmm. When you're asking them to go outside of, of their department bounds, that's uncomfortable territory. Mm -hmm. And so from a leader's standpoint, you need to let that happen. Mm -hmm. And the best way for you to do that as a leader, forget the org chart. If someone goes out of one department and goes over and talks to another department mm -hmm. and your leaders get uptight because they didn't come and ask permission to go over and talk, tell your leaders to get over it. Because mm -hmm. we want people to talk to anybody about anything at any time. I don't want them going up and down an org chart to get permission to talk to somebody who's 10 feet away from them mm -hmm. or you know, in the next building. Stop this asking permission to go talk to people. Mm -hmm. You know you need to serve the customer. You know what you need to serve the customer go get it, oh, go yeah, talk definitely. about it, all right? And, um, and so as leaders, a couple things we can do, the, the, the examples uh, that I look for in leaders is when they let go and let people go off and make decisions, do they ask to be copied on every little thing that's going on in, in, in mm -hmm. their department? Brian, I'm gonna let you go do your social media stuff, but you know what, just copy me on everything so you, I can stay up to speed. Mm -hmm. So I'm just now delegated to you, but I've also said, keep me up to date on everything you're doing. Mm -hmm. Why did I tell you that? Because if you're not doing what I want you to do, guess what, I'm gonna ask you to change it. Mm -hmm. If I really trust you, and I'm gonna delegate to you, Brian, here you go, I'm gonna give this to you. I'll step back, keep me advised when you need to keep me advised. When, when you need input, you got an issue you need help with, whatever, Hey, come to me and talk to me, but, but I don't want to be copied on everything. I don't have time to read all those emails. Mm -hmm. And so when leaders say I need to be copied on everything that goes on in my group, I go, no, you don't. You don't need to be copied on everything in your group. That's just showing trust, right? Hey, you're going to trust people, right? And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, people that just want to know everything and be involved with everything and you know, go, go do what the most important thing it is for your organization to do and forget all this other overhead stuff that doesn't add value yeah. to your organization and you know I've talked about this before you get an email it's got five pages <laughs> right how many people have printed out an email so you can look at it and you turn around and the printer's going and after three minutes of printing and you turn around and you got 15 pages of stuff mm -hmm. I'm not gonna read all this stuff yeah there's no way so you send me all this stuff I'm gonna delete it mm -hmm. um, and when you ask me if I read it I'm gonna say no Tell me what you need from me. Mm -hmm. Don't send me 15 page email. Um, so, and that goes for reports. Um, I love to, especially in a technical environment, people like to give me 15 or 20 page reports. Mm -hmm. Guys, summarize it in one page. Mm -hmm. If you make it more than two pages, I'm not gonna read it. Mm -hmm. Because if you can't do your best and put it in two pages, then why do you want me to invest my time to read it? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. So, if you give me ten pages, is this your best? Well, no. This is what I could do in the time frame you give me. Right. Go do your best. Mm -hmm. And when you come back and say this is my best work, now I'll invest my time to look at it. Um, so, it gets back to taking that ball. Art, on the subject of you know going to whoever you need to get something done, you also have talked about in the past, like if somebody comes to you, like Art, I, they go around their direct report manager what have you, and say, come directly to you. Mm -hmm. You also, just out of respect, say, have you ran this issue by your your manager, right? Right, right. So just Brian Brian comes to me and says, you know, I, I really need to talk to you about an issue in, in SLI. So okay, Brian, that's great. Have you talked to Robin about this? Well, Robin's the president. If Brian says, no, I haven't, I said, well, before I'll engage with you, go let Robin know that you're, you're gonna talk to me. Mm -hmm. And most of the time what that does is it cuts off the griping that people want to come and just gripe about things. Yeah. If there's really an important issue, gosh, man, you would have talked to Robin ahead of time and you guys would have talked about it. And if you really need my input, you could come to me together and, 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 and we could have talked about it. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times, especially when you're trying to implement a servant leadership uh, environment, you're going to have people come to you and say, hey, do you know this, this leader's not doing what you asked him to do, or this lead, or this, this. And in the beginning, I would sit down and talk to people and say, tell me some more, help me understand, and go through that. And I thought I was a good leader. 
Well, I really wasn't because I was enabling people to go around their leadership. Mm -hmm. And in servant leadership, I want you to respect that leadership. I don't want you to go around it. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn that the best thing I could do is send them back to their leader, tell them they're going to come talk to me, and then come talk to me. I don't want you to stop it. But most of the time what, what will happen is what they wanted to tell me was either not true or they had bad motives or whatever. And to go tell the person, their leader, that they were going to come talk to me, it would force them to go, do I really need to talk to Art about this? Mm -hmm. And I would tell you probably 10 or 15% of the time I would see that person come back. And the rest of the time, it really wasn't an issue. It was more of, I just want to complain about somebody. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you don't have a complaint about somebody, go talk to them about it. Don't mm -hmm. come talk to me. Go talk to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, That's a great point. Yeah. And it is holding that person more accountable, I think. It is. It, it's a two-way street. It really is a two-way street. And um, I, used to, I used to have lunches with employees, and I'd have lunch with 15 or 20 people and buy sandwiches and... And I'd have my head of HR with me. And my leadership team, first time I did this, was, well, why is HR in there? Or <laughs> what do you guys talk about? And when I got done with the lunch, they went, okay, what did everybody talk about? Who talked about this? Who, <laughs> well, yeah, we talked about this. Well, who, who brought that up? Well, why does it matter who brought it up? Mm -hmm. Why does it matter who brought it up? Mm -hmm. um, and it took a while for them to get comfortable that when I got together with people, I had a I had the right motive. I wanted to hear what people's concerns were. I didn't want to hear people complaining about individuals. Oh, yeah. Tell me the real concerns of the organization, mm -hmm. and I'll listen. You got concerns about fringe benefits. You got concerns about how we respond to things. You got concerns on how we build things or the tools or whatever. That stuff I can, I can go help the culture advance in. Mm -hmm. Don't spend an hour telling me how bad a person is. Yeah. Right. It's just it's just a waste of time for everybody. So, yeah. but that gets back to creating that safe environment in your culture. Mm -hmm. When I go on the floor and talk to people, I need leadership to understand that I'm there to create a relationship, get to know people, understand not not all their problems. I'm not going to ask questions about all the problems. I just want to walk around and say hi to people. Mm -hmm. And just because I'm on the floor in manufacturing doesn't mean I've got a reason to be there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I do have a reason to be there, guess what I do? Tina, our director of manufacturing, I'll go say, hey, Tina, hey, come, come with me for a minute. I go, I've got something I want to ask you some questions. I take her with me, mm -hmm. right? I take her with me. And, and that makes a big difference in creating that safe environment because now Tina knows if I'm on the floor without her, hey, it's okay. Or it's just, just out talking to people. If there's an issue, I'll go get her and, and walk the floor and to go talk to people about it with her by my side mm -hmm. because that's an opportunity for me to mentor and, and really get the culture ingrained because I'm investing in her and helping her understand what my concern is. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get information and sitting down with her and she's going, well, I don't understand. I got all the people right there. I, I can have the conversation with everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, it takes a while for people to get that, that, that to that point, and when you bring new people in from the outside, especially leaders, and they're not used to having that, um, it takes a little while for them to adjust, but it gets back to that safe environment and in the culture. And if you don't work at it all the time, guess what? Um, now, I've been pretty busy uh, the last um, probably year or so. I'm not on the floor the way I was when I bought the company back in 2005. Mm -hmm. um, People know what my heart is. They know what my motive is. I don't have to go change the culture. When I bought the company through that, we need to change the culture dramatically back then. We've changed it. They know we're serious about it. They know what we do. They see the positive stuff. So that stuff is pretty well ingrained. Mm -hmm. Could we be better at it? Oh, absolutely. We could get, be better at it. But I don't have to go. I'm not in the change the culture mode. I'm in the let's improve the culture mode. Mm -hmm. And that's a big difference. Yeah. It's a big difference, and also I think what you're really giving an insight to people as a cultural architect is just the continuation of this process. There's the building, but then there's the caring for it, and you're letting us into what that process is individually with people, building relationships, creating safe environments, but it's always ongoing, and it's very fragile uh -huh. when you change things. So this isn't something you just build and forget. You keep building upon it. Right, you've got, to, you've got to stay focused on making sure people are on board with your mission, your purpose, why you do what you do. 
I, I love that. Do people understand why we do what we do? Mm-hmm. And that's why we talk about our charitable work at our, at our monthly meetings. We share our servant leadership story at our monthly meetings because that keeps it in front of people. And um, it, it people make sure people know that, hey, servant leadership just isn't something we did. It's something that, that's ongoing. And it's, it's a, from a CEO's perspective, culture is fragile. And if you don't keep working at it, it's gonna change. And when it changes, it's, it's tough to get it back on track. It really is, yeah. So those folks listening out there, stay focused on your culture. Oh, right? definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it seems that building a caring culture, from what you've described, is really all, all, all about building a culture of transparency, right? Yeah, you, you, you've got, as a leader, you have to be transparent. So when I struggle, I'm, I'm a human being. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have bad days. And I'm going to have times where I, I get a question in an employee meeting or in all hands, and I have to say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's better for me to say, I don't know, than to give them an answer that they know isn't correct. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if I give them an answer that's just off the cup and, and full of some you know, little BS, yeah. they're going to know it, and my credibility is going to go in the tank. So it's mm-hmm. better for me to say, you know what, I don't know. Let me look into that, and I'll, get, I'll have an answer for you next time we get together. Mm-hmm. Right? That's so much better than trying to fly your way through a question you don't have an answer to. And um, when we had some tough times um, back in probably 2013, 2014, I would have all-hands meetings, and I would, I would bring a stool, and I would sit, and I'd say, guys, I'm here to answer any question you have. Here's what we had to do today. I will answer any question you have. I will stay here until you don't have any questions. Uh, ask me anything you want. And I had the whole company shut down. I had everybody in front of us. We sat down and said, guys, ask away. Mm-hmm. And if there weren't questions or it got quiet, I said, you know what? If I'm in your shoes, if I was in your position right now, I would ask this question of me. And mm-hmm. I'd ask myself the same question and answer it. And then that would open up people to go, okay, I can, I can, an- I can ask the tough questions. I can ask those tough questions. Totally. But when leaders say, I'm willing to give up my afternoon and answer any question you have about mm-hmm. anything that's going on in the company, uh, they know that you're serious about really caring for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are times where leaders have to make tough decisions and they're lousy, stinking decisions. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you don't do it the right way, you're gonna impact your culture You'll in, impact your, your accountability, your transparency. You'll impact your own credibility as a leader. Yeah. And it takes so much to get it back when you, when you break it. And so be transparent. Answer any question that's thrown at you. And when you don't know, say you don't know. Mm-hmm. It's okay to say you don't know. Just tell people, I will, I will go talk to people who know, and I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you act that way, and it's your, your behaviors, now you've created that safe environment where people will start asking those tough questions. Mm-hmm. And that's really what you want. You, you want to have an open conversation about what's going on in the company yeah. with anybody who wants to have it. So we, we do cookies now, right? Every now and then I'll, I'll go to the lunchroom <laughs> and I'll get cookies and say, hey, I'll hang out in the lunchroom for a couple hours. And we usually have a group of anywhere from five to ten people that will come and, and, and ask questions. And mm-hmm. um, it's a nice environment, small environment for me to get to know people, joke back and forth with people, rather than having a, a big company meeting where people yeah. joking with people, that's a little tough to do, right? Yeah. So now we do it in smaller environments. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that there's there's great examples within Daytron of how you try and uh, – have tried to build and maintain this culture of transparency and this caring culture through, like you're saying, whether it's these uh, little meetups for cookies and coffee with the CEO, or whether it's um, our our uh, uh, monthly celebrations that we do, which really is just a, a monthly meetup with um, with the entire company, right. um, updating them on what's going on. And, and, and then also a quarterly one that you guys do as well, which is always really, really interesting to watch because that's when you stand up there and you let everyone know, the entire company, how the company's doing, how the company's operating, right. and you do open it up for a Q&A at the, at the end of it after they've seen all the stats 
yeah. as uh, they see what we come, uh, what what's coming down the pipe. And I've seen you, you know, people being hesitant at first. Oh, I don't know if I I can ask this question. But the moment that they feel uh, and you open it up and say, Hey, guys, seriously, ask me anything that you want. There will be guys that are that are on the floor or in manufacturing that ask, Oh, what? Wh- how will this impact jobs? Right. You know, exactly. uh, are, are, if we're having a lull in in in. Uh, in uh, manufacturing for a, a couple months going into the future, um, are we going to be able to work as uh, as much as we are right now? And you're right. and you're very honest with them through that whole time. And and uh, I have heard some I don't knows as well. Where you just so I don't I don't know everything. I, I don't know. <laughs> we we get some big orders at times, and you know when you get a big order and you know that that order is going to be once you fulfill it, that customer is not going to order um, radios for a while. And so you know you're going to level off and go back to normal business. And so we hire temporaries to get through that. And we'll tell people up front, this is, this is a situation we're going to hire for four months. Mm-hmm. And at four months, we'll evaluate, see where we are, and then we'll have to you know, look at what we do. We just, a month or two ago, ended the assignments, I think, of about 10 or 12 people. Mm-hmm. And they're all temps, but we were honest and open with them up front and said, here, we're going to hire you as temps. Here's the time frame we think we're going to be, the requisitions, been approved for four months. My leaders know, hey, Art, I need to extend this rec for a couple months. Uh, we'll sit down and talk about, okay, extend it for a couple months. But there are times when, yeah, you, you, you don't have the level of business and you've got to make those tough decisions on what's what's best for the overall company. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's that's part of our business because we're, we're international. Mm-hmm. In, in the international arena, it changes every day. Mm-hmm. And so we're not a retail shop. People exactly. aren't coming in our shop every day and buying stuff. So it's it's a different environment. And in that culture, you, you just have to be honest with people. And the minute you, you hire people, and you tell them you're gonna do everything you can to, to, to keep them on, and you hire them as an employee full-time, and you know you know up front that four months down the road, you're, you're hiring them temporary, mm-hmm. but you're not telling them that up front, that's on you as a leader. Mm-hmm. That's on you. You've got to be honest and open with people. And I will tell leaders out there, there are people who love that working environment. They love to go to work for four or five months and then take three months off. There is so many experienced people in the workplace out there who don't want to work full time. Mm-hmm. Especially as they get a little bit you know, into, into the latter part of their life. That works great for them. Mm-hmm. So you're helping people meet their, their needs and and so just be honest and open with them. Yeah, and yeah. so. I think uh, on that honest and open uh, note, Art, thinking back to those times when you did share uh, difficult news um, of the times that Daytron went through the year 14, 15, and um, what I remember watching all this is uh, in that transparency, even as people were being laid off, that uh, they came to you and could, you know, kind of consult, Consoled you really in a, in a lot of ways, which was just I, unbelievable. I mean, they thanked you for the opportunity to be here, and I'm watching all this in a fairly new at the time employee going. This mm-hmm. I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, I think I, I mentioned last time. Don't tell people it's hard on you; that's on them. Um, but I had uh, a group that I had um, talked to and said, "Hey, we're going to end it," and we had sold off a. a um, manufacturing line and uh, we had kept them as long as we could and I was pretty upset I had to leave and stepped into a conference room and I was emotional I had four women follow me into the conference room and give me a hug and tell me Art's it's gonna be okay they had just lost their job mm-hmm. and they were telling me art it's gonna be okay and as a leader you don't you don't get those experiences unless you really care about people and they know you care um, and they care back and when we're able to hire people back and they're, they're, they come back we celebrate we have a lot of fun with it um, because yeah it's 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 tough to do that uh, but people have amazed me they want to make sure I'm okay I'm okay I still yeah. have a job right. I, I, but they want to make sure and tell me it's gonna be okay 
it, it's it's in the uh, undocumented and intangible you know benefits that you get through um, through having a, a culture of caring. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, I just wanted to wrap up with with uh, you know a question for both of you guys really. Um, how do you guys like to get to know your employees? I know that we've touched on a couple of them, the one-on-ones um, and, and things like that, opportunities for you to be able to open up to your people and extend out that trust. Um, what are just, uh, a, maybe you have an actual example or, um, or just a, a regular routine that you like to do to, to get to know your employees better? Okay, well, for me, um, you know, one of the things I like to do at all hands meetings, uh, especially when we were just getting into the servant leadership, we just bought the company and we're going, you know, we, we had some tough times back then. Um, uh, I would show up and I would tell some jokes. <laughs> now, I'm known, Brian's laughing, I'm known for telling lousy jokes. <laughs> all right, that's what I'm known for. And, you know, there's all kinds of lousy jokes out on the internet. And, um, I would show up with a bunch of stuff that I would I would just go through and, and talk about or I would have some pictures of people who had, had done some stupid things with ladders and tools <laughs> and stuff like that and, and go, hmm, things that make you go, hmm. And I think that approach created an environment where people realized I was a regular person and it was mm-hmm. okay to talk to me like I was a regular person. So, I would have more engagement after the meeting where people would come up and talk to me. And, and now people want to give me jokes. And <laughs> um, earlier this year, I went to get jokes just before a meeting, and I found out that I was blocked on that site where I get my, my jokes. I, Benny and IT had blocked me because it got to the, to the <laughs> point where I was telling so, such bad jokes that they didn't want me to get it through that site anymore. They didn't want to tell me, so Benny blocked it. Our, oh our, Benny is gosh. our IT manager, right? Yeah. And so he blocked me from that site. How funny. And so that was a funny story to tell the team. It says, I don't have any jokes because I'm blocked from my site now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah and, and, and so you, you have some humor um, to let people know that, you know, you can laugh at the same things. And, and a lot of things that people see, we can laugh together. Mm-hmm. Um, we can cry together. Um, we can spend, you know, some fun times together. And you know, when you have employee events, and, and it's important for for leaders to show up and and be there and have fun. And you know, I think we're a couple of weeks away from having an ice cream social, and it's important for you know leaders to serve up the ice cream. Mm-hmm. And you know, last last time we did, that, I think it was sometime last year. The ice cream was so hard, none of us could serve it up. I mean, so you know, we, we told Melissa, our head of HR, I said, you need to melt this a little bit before you give it to us because, you know, we got lines of employees waiting for ice cream and we can't get it out of the bucket, right? It's hard for us to get out of the bucket. But people remember that. Mm-hmm. And it's those experiences together that help people get to know each other. And yeah. so that's when people will give us, a, hey, Art, what's the matter? You don't have the muscles to get the ice cream out of, out of, the, out of the big bucket? No, I really don't, man. I, I, I guess I need to hit the gym. Um, <laughs> people will kid each other back and forth, and that's when you really get to know know each other. Um, and I'm, I'm not, I don't know everything about employees. Don't know where they live. Don't. That's not what I'm talking about. But if we can ha- engage with people, and people are comfortable coming up and saying, "Hey, Art, how you doing?" or "Hey, Art, you know this stuff. Uh, I, I understood your answer, but you know, can you tell me a little bit more?" Or, hey, I want you to know this. Um, and it's stuff that, that's great stuff to talk about. That's really, that's really what makes that really, really nice uh, in creating a, a good culture. So when you can be a human, human being, guess what? You'll be accepted as a human being. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a CEO perspective, if you just look like you're on a pedestal, you're going to be treated like you're on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be a lonely, lonely leader sitting on a rock wondering why people don't want to talk to you. Yeah. Right. And so uh, those are the things that I've found that uh, allow you to get to know people is and I've found humor is a great thing. And when I can laugh at myself, right, I laugh at myself. I tell Lori jokes. Lori's my wife. Mm-hmm. I tell Lori jokes. And, and, um, and, and that's funny every now and then. And when she's there, 
she'll usually say something and it's like having a family event you mm-hmm. got a family barbecue in the backyard um, and those are special times um, we have service award luncheons every year we have something special at Christmas time a Christmas luncheon where we just you know bring tables out we put cloth uh, tablecloths and, and and nice dishes and serve some nice food and mm-hmm. we spend time together uh, as a family and we have a lot of fun and it was was it last year we we had these little stuffed fuzzy snowballs oh, right that we threw at each yeah, other. yeah I think we put 10 or 12 <laughs> on every table and in the, the whole after we're throwing these things at each other yeah. it was a lot of fun and those <laughs> are the kind of things that you know when people know that they can throw a snowball at me and hit me in the head and I'm not gonna fire them that's a good sign right it's a good sign <laughs> oh, so yeah. you can have a lot of fun together and so um, be real be real with people and let them know that you're a real person and be honest with people. And it will take you a long way in getting the culture you want. Uh, take yourself off the pedestal and let people know, hey, I got the same pair of tennis shoes, Nike tennis shoes at home that you do. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. you know, when you wear jeans and tennis on a, on a Friday and a shirt that's out and you can't tell who's who. You don't, no blue coat, no name, no nothing. And that's the way it really should be in, in the world when you have a great culture. Uh, you shouldn't have to worry about who's who and just go have a good time and talk to people. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll build upon that in terms of, Brian, getting to know your employees. Um, I really think a, a big part of that is art says uh, listening is a form of love. So listening to your employees and asking questions about um, what you feel they're comfortable with and just being more self-aware to notice things like if Cassie's wearing a Harry Potter you know, necklace and I'll ask her about it and um, she'll share her passion for Harry Potter and, and then that might lead to things with her children. I think just listening, mm-hmm. you know, as a form of love as art teaches that that's how you can get to know someone. And then when you see them again, you say, how did it go last weekend with that family event you did or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, then they're, they're engaged with you and they realize you do care. And it does take that extra effort to do that because I was a type that was so result-oriented that I walk in the door and go, well, I'm on a result mission here, so it's okay that I blow by everybody. I really had that, I, I think it's a, an arrogant way, really, that you think, well, what I'm doing is so important, it's okay that I don't mm-hmm. ask you how you're doing. Yeah. And I don't believe that anymore. I think you know, that I'm always change, working on changing that behavior, and that's how I get to know the people I work with better, is, is asking questions and just listening and let them tell me as much as they you know are comfortable with but mm-hmm. uh, I feel better for having known more about them too mm-hmm. and it really helps being a manager and a leader for them I think yeah when you create that environment you can have fun with things and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll wrap up with this this one fun story I've got Robin who works for me Lisa is my executive assistant Diana uh, runs our charitable fund um, Shannon is our CFO and um, and then Lori, my wife, and you know, women like to change their hairstyle and their hair color, and that's okay. But as a male, I can only recognize so many changes at one time. <laughs> and so what I've asked the group to do is, if you're going to change your hair or change your style, can we limit it to one or two people at one time? Don't come <laughs> in all four or five of you with different. I can't handle that. Yeah, it's and <laughs> you know, if we didn't have a fun culture, a family culture, you couldn't have that kind of fun. Mm-hmm. You oh, couldn't yeah. have that kind of fun. And so, um, that's those are the type of things that you can you can have a lot of fun with people once you've created that 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 open environment, culture environment. And um, again, I'll stress: once you get there, you'll never arrive in servant leadership because uh, creating that culture, you'll create a culture where you can get better and mm-hmm. your cult- culture will always get better um, just make sure it doesn't go back to where it came from mm-hmm. um, and um, and you'll have a lot of fun and you'll see performance and improvement and growth in people in the company in yourself and life will be a whole lot a uh, whole lot of fun to live you'll be living life to the fullest yeah awesome yeah, yeah awesome. that's a great 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 way to end this conversation yeah. I think on that note yeah, I think we went way too long today, didn't we? So <laughs> those of you that hung with us yeah, uh, through, the, through the whole, yeah, we thank you. Um, I hope you had as much fun as we did. 
Yeah, exactly. So thank you again for sitting in with us, guys. Um, it was an awesome conversation about culture today. And uh, uh, can't wait to talk to you guys again about this stuff. So thank you again. Absolutely. Great, thank great. Thank you, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And for more information on the Servant Leadership Institute, visit us on our website. That's www.servantleadershipinstitute.com. And registration is now open for our 2018 Servant Leadership Conference titled Shift Into Drive. On stage, we have the pleasure of having presentations by our founder, Art Barter, as well as Mark Miller, VP of Training and Development for Chick-fil-A. Returning from last year, we have Vicki Clark and also Ken Blanchard, with more speakers to be announced soon. The conference will be held at the Marriott Marquis in San Diego, California, February 19th and 20th with a complimentary networking event February 18th. And you can also subscribe now to receive our weekly tips by going onto our website. These are great short tips that are intended to challenge and motivate you while you are going through your servant leadership journey. And finally, we would love you to grab a copy of our latest publication, The Servant Leadership Journal, written by SLI founder and CEO Art Barter. This is an 18-week journey to transform you and your organization, available now on our website and on Amazon.com. Thank you for listening and allowing us to add value to your day.